Thank you for checking out the sermon at Hope Church. We exist to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There, you have access to other resources, information about who we are, and where we're going as a church, as well as an opportunity to give to what God is doing through our church. Once again, thanks for checking out this sermon. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. We're starting a two-week series uh, today called Storytellers. God is in the story-changing business. This is not just one amazing, miraculous story that we find in God's word, and then God doesn't change stories for the rest of human history. All over the room tonight are testimonies and pictures of stories that God has changed. My point is, don't misrepresent God's grace by minimizing your story. You were dead, but God. If you are a follower of Christ, God has radically changed your story. As a follower of Christ, your sin is not separate from your story. We're not perfect, we're broken, but God is great and God has saved us despite us. Your sin is not separate from your story, but it's not central to your story either. When I tell my story and when you tell your story, we shouldn't be talking about how bad we were. We should talk about how good God was despite how bad we were. As a follower of Christ, you are responsible to steward your story. You didn't start your story. Paul didn't start his story. There was a sovereign writer behind the scenes, but we are responsible to steward our story. God forbid the people in our lives know everything about what we do except the fact that we were changed by Jesus. Could you imagine the impact on our city and on the kingdom if that's who we were as people of God, as storytellers? Amen. In 2002, I had the opportunity to be a part of a short-term mission team that was sent out from my home church, and we were sent to uh, Guadalajara, Mexico. And the goal of our team was to take hundreds and hundreds of copies of the Gospel of John there to Guadalajara and then visit different villages that were around that city to deliver this Gospel of John, either because of Um, resources or transportation, these villages did not have access to a copy of the Gospel of John in their language. And so the goal of our team was to visit them and deliver the Gospel of John. And one of the villages that we were traveling to was very, very remote. And we had talked about it before the trip. And I remember the morning we woke up and we had to travel about five or six hours to get there. And we were on dirt roads, and it was very windy. I was actually riding in the back of the truck the whole way there. And we come over this hill, and you see this small, little community. Um, A lot of the housing was made up of just really clay huts. There was no running water. Very, very remote village. And we stopped, and I jumped out of the truck. And our point of contact walked up to those of us who were there and said, Who's the team leader? And I said, well, I'm I'm one of the leaders. What can I do for you? He said, well, sir, would you come with me? And he took me to kind of a a pergola-looking structure. And there was a woman sitting there on a bench underneath the pergola. And he walked over and he said, "Um, sir, this woman heard you guys were coming. 
And she asked me why you were coming. And I told her that you had traveled from America and you were going to remote villages and that you had the message of eternal life. And she would like for you to share that with her. So I sat down on this bench in the middle of nowhere. And through a translator, I got to share the gospel with this lady. And I got to see her pray to receive Christ right there in that village. And that was, for me, an incredible moment that I would travel all that way. And as soon as I got there, there was someone coming up to me saying, how can I be saved? It was awesome. It was powerful. And I pray for the day that that happens in our city. When there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that are honestly seeking out believers and asking the question, how can I know Jesus? It'd be incredible. But here's what I recognize. That day has not come yet. And because the millions of people that live in our city are not flooding churches or approaching believers and saying, how can I be saved? Here's what that means. That means that you and I, as the people of God, must be very, very intentional and understand how to be effective storytellers to the people in our circle of influence who do not have a relationship with God. And it's really that heartbeat that birthed this two-part series. Pastor Scott did a great job last week at helping us understand the reality that God is a story-changing God. Amen? This week, we move to another reality that we want to wrestle with as we conclude this series, and it's this. For all of us who have had our story changed by God, there are people around us who do not know Him. And we've been placed in those relationships so that in the context of that relationship, we can introduce them to Jesus. So if you have a Bible this morning, would you turn with me to Luke chapter 19? And in just a moment, I'm going to read Luke chapter 19 verses 1 through 10. And there are really two characters in the verses that we're about to read. One is Jesus. The ultimate storyteller. The one who was sent to earth, God in the flesh, to tell the world of God's love and his way of salvation. But the second character that's in this story we're about to read may be not as familiar for you. It's a man by the name of Zacchaeus. And I want you to know a couple of things about Zacchaeus before we read the text so that you just have a little bit more context as we read these verses. First of all, I want you to know this. Zacchaeus lived in a large city. He lived in Jericho. So his home was a large metropolitan city. Something else I want you to know about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus had a good job. He was a chief tax collector, meaning he managed tax collectors. So he had a good job. Something else that we're going to see in this text about Zacchaeus is this. He wanted to know who Jesus was. For whatever reason, maybe he had heard about his healings or he had heard him teach before. He is curious about who Jesus is, but he doesn't really know anything about him. And one other fact in these verses about Zacchaeus that we read is this. He was short. 
And the Bible says he was small in stature. Now here's why I say that to you. Because other than the part about him being short, Zacchaeus is much like many of the people that we interact with here in Las Vegas. Live in a big city, have a good job, may have heard about Jesus, but don't really know anything about him. So in the text we're about to read, we should be able to really relate with it because Jesus is going to interact with someone who is much like many of the people that we interact with every single day. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put these verses up on the screen. Let's start reading in Luke chapter 19, verse 1. He, meaning Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. Verse 4. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. For today I must stay at your house. Verse 6. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. When they saw it, meaning the religious leaders, they all began to grumble saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything... I will give back four times as much. Verse 9. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Today we're going to spend some time talking about how you and I are to relate as storytellers to the people in our lives who do not have a relationship with God. And right out of this text, I want to highlight four characteristics of effective storytellers. We know that if we are going to accomplish the mission God has given us, you and I must be effective storytellers in our circle of influence. So I want to give you four characteristics of what that looks like in Luke chapter 19. Here's the first characteristic. Storytellers are watchful. Storytellers are watchful. As you read about Jesus in these verses, you see that there was an awareness of this man named Zacchaeus. The Bible says in verse 5, he looked up, meaning he raised his eyes from the ground. Now, this is simple, this is easy, but this is significant. Jesus lived with an awareness of the people around him. Another place in the scripture that speaks to this is Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 and 36. Here's what the scripture says. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages. So he's around people. Teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. 
Now listen to these three words. Seeing the people. He felt compassion for them. Because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. You see, Jesus was not just around people. He saw people. I want to ask you something. Do you see people? I'm not asking if you live near people or if you work alongside people or if you acknowledge people. Do you see people? Because when Jesus saw the people, he felt compassion. His heart was broken from seeing the lostness of the people around him. Are you living with a sensitivity to other people around you who do not know the truth that you know? This week in preparing to teach, I had to wrestle with that. And there are a lot of days in my life that when I ask myself the question, Travis, do you see people? Not just acknowledge, not just hang around, but do you see people? There's a lot of days in my life I have to answer no. And I thought about what are some of the major things that distract me from seeing people the way Jesus saw people in the Gospels? Here are a few of them, if I can just be honest. One thing that distracts me from genuinely and honestly seeing people is busyness. And here's what I think to myself. I am too busy and I don't have time. If that's you today... And as we talk about this reality of people around us who we get to introduce to Jesus, and you think to yourself, I'm just too busy for that. I want you to hear me. If you are too busy to engage in relationships around you with the people who don't know Jesus, you are doing more than God has called you to do. If you hear this principle today, this reality of Jesus There was no one who had a more urgent mission than Jesus, yet he had the time in his schedule to see people and to engage in relationships. If you're saying you have too much in your schedule for that, you are doing more than God has called you to do. But that's a distraction for me. Maybe it is for you. Another distraction is this. I often have a temporary perspective. Here's what I mean by that. I often focus more on today than eternity. But I believe if we really believe as a church that everybody will spend eternity somewhere, that causes us to reprioritize what's going on. And what should be at the top of the priority list is the relationships we have in our lives with people who don't know Christ. Uh, Another distraction for me What hinders me from seeing people is apathy. There are many days that I am hard-hearted instead of compassionate for the needs of other people. We say this at Hope a lot. God is working all over the world. He's working all around us. But there are many days because my heart is so hardened that I'm not sensitive to what he's doing around me. Do you live with a sensitivity to the people like Zacchaeus who were in your day? 
Or are you too distracted? Because one characteristic here about effective storytellers is that effective storytellers are watchful. Here's a second characteristic. Storytellers are intentional. The Bible also says in verse 5, And Jesus said to him, Jesus spoke to him. He wasn't just watchful, he was ready. This phrase means he engaged in conversation. It means words spoken to connect with another person. Here's how that applies to us. We are always to be on the lookout for ways to intentionally and lovingly embrace the open doors of opportunity that are around us. I believe there should be a moment every day when we ask God, Lord, would you allow me to take advantage of the open doors of relationships that you place in my life? Whether that's in my neighborhood, at my school, at my job, or as I'm just walking through the day, Lord, allow me to be intentional and to take advantage of those opportunities. Storytellers are watchful. They're intentional. Thirdly, storytellers are relational. They're relational. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Now, in today's culture, we read that and think, oh, Jesus just wanted to go over to his house. Well, in this culture, here's what that meant. If you went to another person's house, that was you saying, I accept you. Jesus wanted Zacchaeus to know, even though a lot of people in Jericho thought a lot of bad things about Zacchaeus, Jesus was saying to him, I accept you. Jesus did not just hand him a Bible and move on. He sought to relationally build a bridge and be involved in his life. Storytellers are relational. There are probably a lot of us who could give examples of how we've tried to do this and failed miserably. A man by the name of Robert Lewis wrote about that. Listen to this statement. For half of my ministry, I believed my mission was to help the world understand its error. I thought by hurling verbal hand grenades concerning sin and wrongdoing in the world, the shrapnel would somehow rattle sinners back to their senses. To me, jabbing and stabbing the world with the sword of God's word and a dash of holy anger was the way to turn the world around. I'm not going to ask for anybody to raise their hands if you've done that. But you can obviously say that's a bad thing. But after years of doing so, it began to dawn on me that my actions, no matter how sincere, were not merely ineffective, but they were in fact fueling an even greater hostility and alienation between our church and the community. And he says this, I was burning bridges, not building them. You see, effective storytellers look to build bridges of relationships, not burn them. And in this story in Luke chapter 19, Jesus was willing to invest time in the life of an unbeliever to earn the right to share the gospel. Let me ask you this. Who are those people in your life? Who are the people in your life that you are investing time into relationally because you're seeking to build a bridge? Do you have people in your life like that? Storytellers are relational. Fourthly, storytellers are sacrificial. 
In verse 7, the Bible says, When they saw it, they all began to grumble. You can just imagine Jesus interacting with Zacchaeus and this group of religious leaders who thought it was all about rules and not relationships are looking down on Jesus and shaming him for what he's doing. Jesus was willing to sacrifice his reputation with the religious leaders in order to build a bridge with someone who didn't know him. I don't know for you what it's going to cost you to reach out to people who are around you. Maybe a reputation. Maybe a job. It may be time. I don't know. But it was worth it to Jesus. Because effective storytellers are sacrificial. They're watchful, intentional, relational, and sacrificial. And then we move to verse 8 to 10. And we see this powerful example of a, of a life that was changed through a relationship. We've already read it once, but you can see Jesus engages with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus has a, a change of heart, and he's willing to give back to other people. And Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. And there are two biblical conclusions, I think, that are very, very important out of verses 8 to 10 that I want us to, to recognize this morning. And here's the first one. God saved me because he loves me and because he loves the people around me. God saved me because he loves me and because he loves the people around me. Never believe any other a lie that would say God saved you because of your talent. He saved you because of what you brought to the table. No, God saved us because of his gracious love for us. But he also saved us because he loves the people who are around us. There are countless people in your life and you are the only Christian that they know. Do you realize that? In a city like ours that is as lost as ours, there are many people in your life and you are the only follower of Jesus that they know. And God has placed you there for a reason. To introduce them to Jesus. I love what John Piper said. He said the gospel is about the kingdom of God. It's about the reign of God. It's about the triumph of King Jesus over sin and death and judgment and Satan and guilt and fear. The aim of preaching this gospel of the kingdom is that nations might know King Jesus and admire him and honor him and love him and trust him and follow him and make him shine in their affections. The central command of missions is Isaiah 12:4. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Do you realize that there are people in your life who don't have a relationship with God and God has placed you in their life so that the, the things I just read may be true of them. That they would begin to love and adore and pursue King Jesus. God saved me because he loves me and because he loves the people around me. But I think there's a, there's a second conclusion in reading the end of this passage that we can establish and it's this. God uses the relationships in my life to invite others into a relationship with himself. 
God uses the relationships in my life to invite others into a relationship with himself. Every Christian knew another Christian before they knew Christ. And here's what's so powerful. People can meet Jesus anywhere. In your living room, at your job, at your school, in a jail cell. People can meet Jesus anywhere. There's a young man in my life right now, and I was just at the gym one day. And he walked up to me and asked me some things about physical fitness. And I began to build a bridge of relationship. And so now on a regular basis, I'm interacting with him at the gym. And my prayer is that right there inside of that gym, I get to lead him to Christ. Because here's the reality. There is only one way to God, and that is through Jesus. But there are a million ways to Jesus. I'm going to say that again. There's only one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ. But there are a million ways to Jesus Christ. And I don't know in your circle of influence what that looks like. But God has placed you in the relationships that you have. He's given you those relationships that you might leverage those relationships to introduce people to him. That's what happened here in the story of Zacchaeus. And I'm sure if we went around the room today, we could give example after example of ways God has allowed relationships that you have with people who don't know him in order to introduce those people to Jesus Christ. The goal today is that our sensitivity to the people around us who don't know Christ would be heightened. And we would recognize our opportunity and our command as storytellers to share with them the incredible message of Jesus. So here's how we're going to close our time today. David's going to come and begin playing for us. I want to get extremely practical this morning. And I want to finish with three practical applications of how all of us can apply this principle of storytelling to our lives today. I'm not going to give you homework to leave and go do at home. We've carved out some time here during this service to take a step. So I want to give you three practical ways that you can apply the principles we're talking about this morning. Here's the first one. Identify five people around you who need Jesus and begin to pray for them every day. In the front part of my Bible, I have just a regular sticky note. And on this sticky note, I have five names. And these are the five people in my life who don't know Jesus, but they know me. And I'm praying God would allow my relationship with them to be leveraged so that they can be introduced to Jesus. There are 4.5 billion people on the planet who do not know Jesus. I'm asking you this morning to identify five of them. As you sat down, there was a, a little sticker on your seat. And at the top it says, God saved me because he loves me and because he loves the people around me. Here's what I want you to do for just a few moments. I want you to ask God 
to put five names on your heart. Five people in your circle of influence who don't have a relationship with God that you can begin praying every single day that God would leverage that relationship to invite them into a relationship with Him. Mine's a sticky note. We want it to be a little bit better for you. So we just gave you, gave you this sticker. Grab a pen. Maybe you just need to sit before the Lord for a few moments. But I want you to identify five people. And those will be your five. That you begin praying and asking God to save them. And that he would allow you through the relationship you have with them to be a witness. think about your circle of influence. If God brings a name to your heart, that's him identifying who he wants on your list. For me, on my list, there are some relationships that are going great. There are others that are not going well at all. But I know those are the names right now in my circle of influence that God's put in my heart. encourage you to fill this out now we don't need it to get lost in your car or lost in the shuffle as you leave and I want to challenge you to put this somewhere that you're going to see it on a regular basis for me that is the front cover of my Bible I see these names every single day maybe that's the spot you want to put it in maybe it's somewhere in your room maybe it's on your desk maybe it's in your office I don't know but put this in a place every day and here's what I hope I hope that over time as you begin praying every day, that God would allow you to see these people the way that he sees them. And that you would be brought to a point of brokenness and compassion until these people come to know Jesus. And we want to celebrate that as a church family. A second very practical application from this message is this, that we would begin to intentionally invite others to a worship gathering or small group at Hope Church. Another tool that was on your seat as you came in is just a simple invite card. We have these available every week, but a lot of people never access them. So we want to put one on your seat today. There are some unbelievable statistics as it relates to something as simple as an invitation to a church environment. One was by Roy Oswald. He said this, When asked... What brought you to this church? 2% of people said advertisement. 6% said an invitation by the pastor. 6% said an organized evangelistic outreach program. 86% of people said an invitation by a friend or family member. That's overwhelming. You have a lot of influence with the people who you know. Another piece of data came from Dr. Tom Rainer. He said this, 82% of the unchurched are at least somewhat likely to attend church if invited, but only 2% of church members invite an unchurched person to church. That means 98% of churchgoers never extend an invitation in a given year. Now this is a national statistic. 
But I pray that's not the case here. That we would be a people who live with confidence, inviting people in restaurants and at sporting events and in different places in our society, knowing with confidence we're inviting them into an environment where they're going to clearly hear the gospel of Jesus. A third and final way to apply what we're talking about today is this. Invest the time necessary to develop the confidence to share your story. Maybe over the past few weeks you've heard us talk about storytellers. And it's got you really, really nervous because you think there's no way I could unpack my story in two to three minutes. Well, here's what we want to do for you. On September the 13th and 20th, we're having what we're calling Storytellers Training. It's going to happen over two weeks at 4.30 on Sunday. We want to lead you through a process to understand how you can share your story with confidence. We're going to walk you through a process of life before Christ, how you met Christ, and how Christ has changed you, and help you in just two short sessions to understand how you can be a storyteller for the glory of God. If you see that and think, that's what I need, you can stop by the information center this morning and sign up. We've given you a little time. It's a couple weeks away because you may need to move some things around in your schedule. But if that's you, go to that training and really understand how you can effectively share your story. So that's three very simple ways that we can apply what we're talking about today. Identifying those people, living intentionally to invite others and developing our story so that we can share it with confidence. The great Dr. Charles Spurgeon was once asked, Pastor Spurgeon, do you think that the people who have never heard about Jesus can be saved? He was referring to those people at places in the world that have never had a missionary come and tell them about Jesus. And here was his response. It was very powerful. He said, that's a good question, but here's a better question. How can those of us who know Jesus and have failed to share him with others possibly be saved? If Jesus has changed you, if he's changed me, I will have a passion to tell my life change story with other people around me. I pray that today an army of storytellers are going to leave this campus passionate about engaging in the relationships around us to care for them, to serve them, and to ultimately introduce them to Jesus.